0: Good morning. morning. A few extra faces in the 10 o'clock this morning. So good to see you all here. If you're visiting with us today, we're especially honored to have you. Um, If I haven't had a chance to meet you, I'd love to do that. Uh, My name is Jason Williams. I serve as the pastor here um, at the church um, and I say this every week so I'll say it today. I would go to church here even if I wasn't the pastor. Um, I love this place. I love these people. you're surrounded by an amazing church family, um, but don't but don't confuse that with the idea that we 're a perfect church because we're not. okay if you're looking for that place, it's down the street. I can give you directions at the end of the service. but this isn't it, okay We're not a perfect church, uh, but we are falling deeply in love with a perfect God. Uh, and so if you're looking for a church home, this is a perfect place for you to come and to be uh, who you are, to bring your mess, to bring your struggles, and let Christ work in your life. and so Um, A couple of things I want to say, first of all, um, if you're looking at becoming a member of our church, uh, in two weeks we have um, a class coming up, we call it the Connect class, it's our new members class, Um, that's going to take place on April 15th during the 11.45 hour, Um, we do it that way so that like you can come to the 10 o'clock hour and then in 11.45 hour we provide lunch during the Connect class and so you can just stay and eat lunch with us. Get to know a few of our elders and learn more about the church as you pray about potentially becoming a member here. Um, if that's you and you want, uh, you want to be in on the communication loop for that next Connect class coming up, if you'll grab your community card in the seat in front of you, put your personal info on there, contact info, and then just indicate on there membership. Um, and then if you'll turn that in one of the brown boxes on your way out, we'll keep you in the loop on communication as that class gets near. That's two weeks from today, though. Um, also want to say, uh, pardon our mess. Uh, if you're visiting with us, and you, as soon as you step in the hallway, you see construction. You see exposed walls and things going on. Um, that is, uh, we're, we're excited about that mess. That mess uh, is, is, the, is an indication of the work that God is doing here. We've got a remodel going on right now. Um, we are also in the final stages and final planning of a new building, and so all of these things um, are, are an indication of the amazing work God is doing here in our church and we're so excited about what God is doing and we're excited to expand uh, the room so that more people can come be a part of that so if you have any questions about the mess um, feel free to grab one of your greeters or myself a staff member we would love to talk to you about that down the hallway where our hospitality area is today and we have had blueprints and drawings up down there as well so feel free to grab coffee after the service and, and look through all that So I want to let you know about that as well. Um, All right, we are ready to get started. We are going to be in the Gospel of John today. Uh, We're going to start in chapter 2 and we're going to end in chapter 20. So feel free to go ahead and turn there in your Bible. Um, As you do that, I want to give you just a quick update on where we are in our sermon series. So we're going through a sermon series uh, this spring entitled The Gospel Story. We're walking through the Bible From Genesis to Revelation, looking at all these stories that have been written and how all these stories come together to tell one gospel story. We started in Genesis with creation, and we looked at how God created everything, the heavens and the earth, as good, and there was no knowledge of what was not good because sin had not entered the world. But God said to Adam, if you sin, if you disobey me, you will surely... I see you guys you're already on top of it and this is the fall we looked at the fall of man from there we looked at how right after that God made this amazing promise that he was going to rescue the nations and bring them back to himself and we tracked that promise through the old testament and how the people of God just hung on that promise that God would one day send a rescuer to rescue his people. And last week, we got to the beginning of the rescue. We looked at Jesus, the author of the story, stepping into the story to become like us, to walk among us, and to perfectly obey and fulfill the law of God for us on our behalf. That's good news, isn't it? This past Friday night, we got together as a church uh, to observe Good Friday, the sacrificial and brutal death of Jesus, and we left that night in silence with, with a heaviness on our hearts, right? Something isn't right about this. And today, we're here today to celebrate the resurrection of Jesus for our rescue. Now, a couple things um, as we get ready to move into. The service this morning, the first thing I want to do is we're going to start in the Gospel of John chapter 2. This is early on in Jesus' ministry. Uh, We're going to look at an event where he steps into the temple, which he calls his father's house, and he wrecks shop a little bit and causes a little chaos. But he says something incredibly important about the resurrection to help us understand the full significance of the resurrection. I was thinking about this this morning. I don't know if you've ever been to a wedding or a funeral something that was really important and you got all dressed up and you got so caught up in the details of getting there on time and what you were supposed to bring and where you you're supposed to do that you were sitting there in the middle of it and it just kind of hit you right this wow I forgot why I was even here I think that can happen with Easter sometimes Right? We, we, we plan on it. It's on the calendar. We, we make arrangements. We invite people or we get invited and we decide, I'm going to go to this church and this service and I'm going to wear this and I'm going to get the kids up and they're going to wear this and we get everything together and, 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 and we can get in the middle of this moment and maybe even completely forget why we are here. Let's talk for a minute about the resurrection. Before we even get into God, the Gospel of John, See, I think what we tend to do with Easter is we go from the death of Jesus to the resurrection appearances of Jesus and we gloss over the most significant moment, not just in the Easter story, but in the story of humankind. The most significant moment of any other moment that has ever been. So we know that on Friday, Jesus was crucified, right? After a brutal torture, was hung on a cross, there on the cross, the scripture says he breathes his last, which means that there was one final breath where his lungs filled with air, and then he exhaled, and let it out, and his heart quit beating. Blood ceased to flow through his body. His organs began to shut down, and he physically died. And then they took his body off the cross and wrapped it in burial cloths. Put him in a tomb, put a stone over the cover of the tomb, and went home. And then on Easter, before anybody else showed up at the tomb, something happened. In the darkness and the silence of that tomb, there was a noise. Heartbeat. Boom, boom. Boom, boom blood began to flow, pressing blood to his brain, his organs, his extremities, and then in a gasp, his lungs filled with air, he exhaled, and through one breath, Jesus put death to death. That's the moment we're here to celebrate. That's the moment that changes every other moment. Now we're going to look at what he said before then and we're going to look at what happened after then, but every moment in the human story, every molecule molecule of the universe was impacted by that first breath. When what was dead came back to life. Now in the Gospel of John chapter 2, Jesus is going to go into the temple, and by this time, what was originally designed by God to be a place to, uh, to house his presence, a place for people to come encounter him, and a place to come and to make sacrifices to receive forgiveness had been converted essentially into a farmer's market. This trading zone where people would show up to trade this for that and to make a little extra profit off of selling a few animals here and there. And so Jesus in John 2 steps into this scene, into what he calls his father's house. And and from what he sees, he begins to turn tables over and cause chaos there in the temple. And some of you are familiar with this story. Do you remember what he said? In verse 18, the Jews said to him, what sign do you show us for doing these things? So essentially what they're saying is, whoa, 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 whoa. Who are you and why do you have authority to do this? You're wrecking the place. And this is what Jesus said. Verse 19, he answered them, destroy this temple and, I will, and in three days I will raise it up. And the Jews then said, it's taken 46 years to build this temple and you will raise it up in three days? But he was speaking about the temple of his body. Look at what he says next. When therefore he was raised from the dead, his disciples remembered he had said this, and they believed the scripture and the word that Jesus had spoken. Now, two things I want to point out here. In this moment, in the temple, nobody but Jesus understood what was going on. Not even his disciples. It wasn't like Peter and James and John were over there snickering in the corner. Ha, 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 right? He's talking about his resurrection. Just wait and see what he's going to do. None of them knew, right? They were all watching this take place, and Jesus said, I'm going to tear this temple down and rebuild it in three days. If anything, Peter, James, and John were sitting over there going, what is he talking about? And who's going to help him? I'm not going to. Are you going to help him? I'm not a mason. Or you, how are we going to build this thing back in three days? Jesus, hey, shh completely misunderstood, not only the point of the resurrection, but the connection of the resurrection to the rest of the story. Something about the resurrection of Jesus was going to replace the temple. Something about the resurrection of Jesus was going to impact our ability to get into the presence of God. Something about the resurrection of Jesus was going to impact how we receive forgiveness of sins. After the resurrection, we were going to no longer need the temple so you could tear it down all you want to because the risen temple was the body of Jesus Christ. Now, in John chapter 20, we're going to pick up Easter morning. Okay. Now, this account comes from a first account I witnessed, John. He's writing this. John's an interesting author. Okay. I don't know how you and I would write a story about ourselves being there at the tomb, but John writes about himself in the third person. It's a little weird. Okay, he refers to to himself as the other disciple or the one in whom Jesus loved. Okay, so just so you know, you're tracking, that's John talking about himself. Now, let's read this together starting in verse 1. Now, on the first day of the week, that's Sunday, Mary Magdalene came to the tomb early. Now, she was one who had been demon-possessed, and Jesus had cast demons out of her. So she's there early, early in the morning while it was still dark, and saw that the stone had been taken away from the tomb. So she's there in the haze of early morning. It's dark, but it's not so dark that she can't tell the stone's been moved. Okay? So here's what she does. She ran and went to Simon Peter and the other disciple, it's John, the one in whom Jesus loved and said to them, They've taken the Lord out of the tomb, and we don't know where they have laid him. You can kind of feel her in a panic there, right? She's in a, what we refer to as a tizzy. She's up in arms. She she's can't figure this out. Somebody stole Jesus, guys. You've got to do something. So Peter went out with the other disciple, that's John, and they were going toward the tomb. Both of them were running together, but the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. Now, John wants us to know I'm faster than Peter. I don't know why he wants us to know that, but he included that detail. So when we see Peter and John take off together, one of them gets there first, and it's John. Okay, he's a little faster than Peter. Evidently, Peter was a little bit slow. Now, reading along, hey, this is the Bible. I'm not making this stuff up. Verse five, so the other disciple... Out ran Peter, reached the tomb first, verse 5, stooping to look in. So he had to kind of get down to see what was inside. Stooping to look in, he saw the linen cloths lying there, but he did not go in. So he could see that burial cloth that Jesus had been wrapped in. He could see it laying there. He didn't go in. So Peter's going to go in first. Then Simon Peter came. He finally shows up, following him, and went into the tomb, he saw the linen cloths lying there and the face cloth which had been on Jesus' head, not lying with the linen cloths, but folded up in place by itself. The other disciple, who had reached the tomb first, just in case you hadn't caught on, John's fast. Okay, we get it, John. You're fast. Okay? Who reached the tomb first also went in and he saw and believed. Now, we're tempted to think at this moment this was the big aha moment for John by, by what just said, okay? He saw and he believed. Now, I think in this moment he's beginning to believe in the resurrection, but I don't believe he's fully getting it yet. Look at what it says next. For as yet they did not understand the what? Scripture. So anytime we see that in the New Testament, it's referring to the gospel story. So John sees and he 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 comes in, he goes, okay, there's the linen cloths, there's the face cloth, okay, it looks like Jesus came back to life. But he's not understanding the full connection to the bigger story yet. So he, as of yet, they did not understand the scripture that he, being Jesus, now this is a really key word, must rise from the dead. That's different from just the reality that Jesus rose from the dead, understanding that he must rise. And we're going to talk this morning a lot about that must. Why is that there? Why must Jesus rise? Why is it critical for Jesus to rise? Is this just another Bible story, another example of God just showing his power? Or is there something behind that must that John writes about here? Then the disciples went back to their home. Now, Mary Magdalene's still here, but Mary stood weeping outside the tomb. As she wept, she she stooped to look into the tomb. She did the same thing that that John did. She looks inside, and she saw two angels in white. Now, either they weren't there when Peter and John were there, or they missed it, but she sees two angels in white sitting where the body of Jesus had lain, one at the head and one at the feet and they said to her woman why are you weeping now what an important question now what they're not saying is that it's wrong to weep they're asking why are you weeping what is it that's causing you to weep and they're trying to reveal something to Mary woman why are you weeping she said to them they have taken away my lord and i do not know where they have laid him now we know she's weeping for the wrong reasons she still thinks somebody stole the body of jesus and she's upset because she doesn't know where the body is see how she's completely missed it at this point now here's what's going to happen with one word in just a moment jesus is going to open her eyes i want you to be watching for that one word So having said this, she turned around, and she saw Jesus standing, but she did not know that it was Jesus. Jesus said to her, again, woman, why are you weeping? Think about why you're upset right now. Whom are you seeking? Supposing him to be the gardener, she said to him, sir, if you've carried him away, tell me where you have laid him, and I will take him away. That's all I need to know right now. You want to know why I'm weeping? Somebody stole the body of Jesus. All I need to know is where he's at. Did you take him? Just tell me. Did you take him? And I'll go get him. Now, the reason she didn't recognize Jesus has nothing to do with him changing his appearance. Matter of fact, we know that for sure through the resurrection accounts. Matter of fact, when Jesus appears to his disciples, he's going to show them his hands and his feet. This is him. The reason she didn't recognize Jesus is because he wasn't meeting her expectations. Think about that. What was she expecting to find? dead Jesus. So Jesus didn't meet her expectations. He actually did what? Exceeded her expectations, so she completely missed it. Man, I wonder how many times in our lives we do the same. We want God to do a thing. We want a scenario to work out a certain way. We pray about it working out this certain way. It doesn't work out that way, so we miss God. I guess God just didn't hear my prayers. And what are we saying? I guess God didn't meet my expectations. But here in this story, we're reminded that God doesn't meet our expectations. Did you know that? God is not in the business of meeting your expectations. As we're going to see through the resurrection, his desire is going to be to exceed your expectations to do more than you could ever ask or think or imagine, to do more for you than you realize needs to be done for you. I just need a pick-me-up, God, just to get through this day. You ever prayed that prayer? Whew, it's a rough day. Just help me get through this day. My expectation is that God will be my pick-me-up, right? Clear up my thoughts, give me some energy, help me to put a smile on my face, To be a better person and make it through the day and God doesn't come to meet my expectations he comes to exceed my expectations and to do far more than I could ever ask for or imagine so in this moment Mary's completely missing it now here comes the one word Jesus said to her Mary now why is that significant So for Mary, she sees the risen Jesus. He looks the same as the Jesus before he went to the cross, Jesus, but she doesn't recognize Jesus because she expects Jesus to be dead. But when she hears him say her name, something happens in her heart. And she not only understands, oh wait, you're him, she runs to him with full affection and just wraps herself around him. Look at what he says. So Mary Jesus said to her, Mary, she turned to him in Aramaic, Rabbani, which means teacher, so she recognizes him. And Jesus said to her, do not cling to me, for I have not yet ascended to the Father, but go to my brothers and say to them, I'm ascending to my Father and your Father. So something about this is not just about me and God, it's about all of us. And to my God and your God. And so Mary Magdalene went and announced to the disciples, I've seen the Lord. And that he had said these things to her. I wonder how many of us have still completely missed God in life because we've yet to stop and listen and hear him say your name. Did you know that God knows your name? The invitation into his kingdom is not a generic invitation just thrown out there right, to whoever will come, he is individually inviting every person in this room to come into his kingdom. Have you in your mind heard God say your name? And that's what did it for Mary. Now, we know what happens from here. Jesus makes several different resurrection appearances. A couple guys walk into Emmaus, He opens their eyes to understand the scriptures, then he appears to the disciples in the upper room. He actually shares a meal with them to show them, hey, I'm not just a ghost, I'm like physically here, see my hands, see my feet, give me some food, let's eat. But then he does something remarkable in Luke chapter 24 after the resurrection, he opens the Bible with them, the Old Testament, and he shows them the gospel story, how all the Old Testament is essentially pointing to this moment. That what has happened in the resurrection is the biggest moment in the human story. This is the rescue that God has been promising. Resurrection of Jesus is the single greatest moment in human history. The moment when his heart began to beat and he breathed that first breath and he put death Now let's go back and revisit the word must, can we? Why must Jesus resurrect from the dead? Why is that in there? See, I think that for a lot of us, we fail to see how essential and critical and necessary it was for Jesus to rise from the grave for you. We know it's important for him to rise from the grave to fulfill what he said, otherwise he's a liar, right? Right? So the story just works better if he comes back to life, right? Otherwise, it's a failed mission. It's a boring story, and we all walk away and go, well, that was dumb, so, right? He must to make the story work, but we fail to see how that must connects to our lives. See, the gospel story helps us understand this. At the fall, two things entered into the human story that we've never been able to eradicate, sin and death. Before Adam and Eve disobeyed God, there was no knowledge of evil in the world. There was no sin. After they sinned, sin entered into the world, and we've never been able to do anything to get rid of it. Now, let's just kind of check ourselves for a moment, okay? Um, Any sinners in the room besides me? Just, if you're, yeah, be so kind. Okay, thank you. The rest of you, thanks for coming. Just, sorry, we got to talk for a minute, okay? So, the rest of us are sinners. Um, How many of you in the room have tried... It's not sin. Besides me. Okay, yeah, you've done something. You regretted doing the thing because that was wrong. shouldn't have said that to him or her. I shouldn't have done that. Then you tried not to do it again, and then you found yourself doing it again. Anybody done a repeat sin? Okay, so for the vast majority of us, we agree we can't overcome sin on our own. Okay, we'll just throw the rest of the world out there in with us. Okay. We've never been able to overcome sin since that moment. Not me, not you. You've never looked at a human being who was truly good on their own strength. We are all sinners. Now, some of us are better at hiding the sin. Some of us are better at sinning in private, behind closed doors. And then when we step out into the world, we've got our face on. We've got our facade on. We look good. We're church folk. Right? And the rest of the world is like, oh, you're just such a good man. You're such a good woman. I wish I could be like you. It's all a facade. Why? Because on the inside, we are all sinners. And we can't do anything to fix it. Now, the second thing that we've never been able to eradicate is death. God said, the moment you eat from this tree, Adam, and you disobey me, you will surely die. We spend, as humanity billions of dollars each week in an attempt to avoid death and to push it back, to eradicate it, right? To to, to linger in this life a little bit longer. And we're under this false illusion that somehow diseases cause death. You know, cancer doesn't cause death. It It just moves up the timeline, right? Heart attacks, car accidents, gunshot wounds, right? They just move the timeline up. Right? If you cure the cancer, the person's still going to die. And we spend a lot of energy, a lot of effort, a lot of money trying to push that back. And every human being is a testimony, is evidence that we cannot overcome sin nor death. Now you begin to understand the full significance of must, right? We didn't need a God to come to earth and be a pick-me-up, did we? We didn't need God to come back and simply just fix my marriage by helping my wife to realize how annoying she is, right? didn't just need God to come to earth to show me how to be a more strategic father so that my children will be obedient in the grocery store. right? I begin to realize, okay, Easter isn't just, right, so that we can all dress up in our pastel colors and come together and hide Easter eggs and get together and have family dinners. And like Easter has a more significant purpose, doesn't it? he must resurrect from the grave. If he doesn't, he's not a rescuer. He doesn't fix the story. He doesn't fix my life. He must resurrect from the grave. Until we see sin and death, until you personally see sin and death as your two greatest enemies, you, like Mary Magdalene in this moment, And even Peter and John may miss the significance of Easter altogether. You got dressed up, you showed up on time, most of you. Just kidding. Just kidding. You show up whenever you want to here. And completely miss the significance of the must of Easter. Without the resurrection, there is no hope in this world, folks. All you can try to be is a better version of yourself. Make the most of whatever you've got between your first breath and your last breath, but both are destined and all you've got is this dash in between and the only thing you can do is make the most of it. Without the resurrection, there is no hope. You're stuck in your addictions. Your marriage is going to fail, right? Your struggle with anxiety and depression and all the things you're struggling with, there's no hope without a resurrection, Right, The best you can do is just fake it. Pretend like you're happy. Pretend like you have joy. Unless there's a resurrection. The resurrection of Jesus is the greatest singular moment in human history. Jesus did what no man or woman has been able to do. All of man's attempts to save himself have fallen short. The sacrifices that were offered in the temple year after year, they never worked. It's what Hebrew says, right? Never worked. Every year, the priest had to go into the temple to offer sacrifices for sins. Why? Because the dead animals never fixed our problem. They weren't enough. The pursuit of high standards and, and supreme morality was never enough. Jesus came to do what no man or woman can do. He lived a perfect life of perfect obedience to God the Father and fulfilled the demands of the law for us. Did you know that? You don't have to fulfill the demands of the law anymore. Jesus did it for you. Then he died a sacrificial death in your place and resurrected from the grave to overcome sin and death for you. The resurrection of Jesus is the climax of the gospel story in the Bible. That moment where his heart begins to beat and he breathes his first resurrected breath and he puts death to death. This is also the single greatest moment in the climax of your story. This is the moment, the decisive moment, when the war for your soul was won. We're not waiting on a rescuer. He's already come, and he's already won the war. All that's happening right now are small skirmishes here on earth. We've already got the announcement. The war's done. Jesus stepped out of the grave, not only alive, but victorious, doing what no man has ever been able to do, defeating sin and death on our behalf. And he says this to you and to me. You want perfect righteousness? Yeah, because I can't get into heaven without it. You want to be forgiven of your sins? absolutely you want eternal life with me yes how do I get that because this life isn't enough by trusting in Jesus and him alone he gives you all of that now what I would love for somebody just to say out loud that sounds too good to be true I just want to high five you it does sound too good to be true it is too good to be true it's the gospel story and that's why it's the good news it's too good to be true because nobody else has done that for you before right Nobody else could do that for you. Listen, church, I want you to hear me today. I don't know every person in this room, and I don't pretend to know where you are spiritually. Listen to me right now. I'm going to beg with you and plead with you that today you would not leave this place without trusting in Jesus as your Savior. Well, show me the checklist, what I need to do. No, 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 don't go there. That's the law. So, what I need you to do, I need you to take a step of faith towards Jesus. You need to pray. You need to believe in your own heart that he is the son of God, that he died for your sins and he resurrected from the grave. And by believing in him, you have righteousness and forgiveness of sins and eternal life with God forever. Boom, done. It's finished. I'm gonna pray for us in just a moment and and then we're gonna sing and while we're singing, if you're new here, um, we want you to know, don't feel obligated to stand and sing. That's just an opportunity if you wanna participate. Um, We're gonna have people standing here at the front of the room and they've got lanyards on Um, these are our prayer partners they'll also be at the back we'll have some at the back and the front they're here to pray with you today they're here to talk with you today about becoming a Christian if you want to make that decision and take that step of faith towards Jesus and then while that's happening our worship team is going to be up here leading us and singing listen church um, I don't want us to sing today I want us to worship I want us to feel the significance of the must and I want to sing about it together can we do that All right, let's pray together and then our worship team will come up. Our prayer partners will come up as well and then we'll respond. Oh, Lord Jesus, we thank you for the resurrection and those words just feel too light. God, thank you for reminding us this morning of the weight and the magnitude, the significance and the must of the resurrection. God, this morning all across the room we've come into this place with different burdens, different questions, different wants and desires and God, we ask you to meet us where we are so now God, would you through the power of your Holy Spirit, would you begin to stir in us and speak to us maybe somebody here today has never heard you say their name and just in the depths of who they are this morning, they just need to hear you say their name to know that you know them, to know that you see them, to know that you've come to rescue even them. And others of us today have come into this room completely aware of the the, the data, the facts about the resurrection, but a lot like Peter and John have yet to fully understand it. And so God, would you show us the significance and the magnitude of what Jesus has done for us? God, would you send your Holy Spirit into this place and move through our hearts. Guide us now as we respond in the powerful name of the resurrected Christ.